Welcome back to Table for One Dumb Boy. I'm your host, Nick Thomas. <sighs> Taking a little time off. I'm very sorry. I've been stressed out. Been in the middle of moving to a much nicer place, much closer to my work, much closer to the city. In the city, actually. So I've been taking some time off. Sue me. I don't give a fuck. This is my podcast. I record it when I want to. For real, though, very sorry. My apologies about the hiatus. I'm not quitting the podcast like I tend to do with most things I do. Just took a little time off. I was uh, going through some stuff. Nothing serious. Just um, a little bit of depression, a little bit of stress. Just stuff that comes with moving. Um, in the long run, everything will be fine. Still a little stressed out from it, but, you know, I haven't even moved in yet. I haven't even packed anything, but it'll be good. You know, it's, uh, I'm finally not going to have roommates, just me, little two bedroom of my own top floor to duplex. What more can you ask for? You can't do better than top floor. If you get bottom floor, you are on the second floor of a duplex. I'm sorry, but you fucked up. And if you live in the bottom floor of a duplex and you're listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about upstairs neighbors. They're fucking awful. And I'm about to be one of them, so <laughs> let's look forward to that. I'm gonna build a studio there. I am so fucking excited about that. So look forward to in-studio guests and stuff like that. My living arrangement now doesn't allow me to do that. I can do whatever the fuck I want to with my own studio. I'm very excited. A lot of things going on in the city of Birmingham, though. Uh, one in particular, Fred Durst is here filming a movie uh, starring John Travolta. It's called Moose, apparently. I can't remember what the synopsis of this movie is, but Fred Durst is uh, has delved in the filmmaking. That sounds interesting. I'm going to Google this real quick. I can't remember what it said the synopsis of this movie was. But it doesn't sound like the worst thing ever. Let's see. Sorry for taking a second. Give me two seconds and I'll find it. Yeah, it's filming in Birmingham. Here's an AL.com article about it. Starring John Travolta. Let's see if there's a... It'd be great if there was a synopsis on here. AL.com's terrible, though. Yeah, not one fucking... It doesn't say a fucking word about it. Um, Great. I don't know what the movie's about. ClassicAL.com. They interviewed me for a show I used to host called Alter Call. Very proud of that show. One of my favorite things I've done. I've actually written a pilot for it as I wanted it to be a, ser- a scripted series for Adult Swim. I'd hope, hoping to pitch that to them. A little bit of pulling the curtain back, showing you what I'm doing. I say that like that, like I haven't been working on this script for four or five fucking years. I've been working on this script since 2015. I don't want it to be bad, though. Adult Swim's pitch um, guidelines are very specific, and you don't want to fuck up with them. Because they're very blunt and in your face about, which they should be. They probably get all kinds of stoner dumb ideas that think they can make a TV show sent to them all the fucking time. So, I can't blame them for that. But hopefully uh, we'll be pitching that to them eventually down the road. I don't know. I, I, I say that like that's a sure thing. I don't know. Don't listen to me about that. I've been talking about this for three fucking years. 
Anyway. Oh, yeah. It has got sidetracked again, per fucking usual. But AL.com did a story about Alter Call once, and the guy was nice that interviewed me. I, I did it over email, um, all that. It was fine. He was a very nice guy. But the AL.com is notorious for its comment section. And for those that don't know, the show Alter Call that I ran was a show that started in Los Angeles. The inception of that was for me. I had this idea for a live stand-up comedy show that was set up like a uh, Southern Baptist tent revival. And the comedians would come and do characters that were kind of like whatever they wanted to do, really. But a lot of times they were based around like people that would go to this fake church or fake tent revival. So it was like, you know, kind of poking fun at, uh, you know, Southern Baptist in a playful way. Nothing crazy. Um, and I said that in the article, and that's just what the show was. Um, I used to host it with uh, my good friend, Mr. Goodnot in Los Angeles from the Goods from the Woods, and Rivers Langley also hosted the Goods from the Woods. And um, it was just a lot of fun. You know, as soon as I, when I first met Mr. Goodnot, I saw him at an open mic in Santa Monica at this comic book store, and I was like, sitting on this idea for a while and I saw him and I'm like, no, that guy, that guy's doing this with me. If this guy doesn't do it with me, I'm not doing it. Which has a lot to do with me not doing it now still or I'd still host it every now and then. But can't do it without Mr. Goodnight or Rivers, sorry. Anyway, back to the other thing. Fred Durst is in Birmingham he, and he's filming this movie that he is putting out called Moose. And... I don't know, like, it's not really a secret that Fred Durst gets a lot of shit from people for, you know, being a big, huge uh, new metal star from from the 90s and early 2000s. But, like, the reason we make fun of Fred Durst is, is because his, like, persona, the guy he was 20 years ago is on record. You know what I mean? It, it was on display for all of us to see. And he can't take that away. Like, it's forever in the, uh, what do you call that? Public, um, whatever. I'm not even going to fucking get it right anyway. But you know what I mean. It's in the zeitgeist. It's in the cultural zeitgeist. Limp Biscuit is. And he has to live with that forever. But we all judge him for it. And we don't realize. Do you realize how much shit we would get if, like, our public life from the 90s and early 2000s were on display. What if your shitty band from then got famous? How embarrassed would you be? Think about a band you had in high school and around the time New Metal was big. Probably sucked way worse than Limp Bizkit. You would have probably wished you sounded like Limp Bizkit. Imagine that getting big and that's who you are the rest of your life and people constantly give you shit for it. That's Fred Durst. Fred Durst is who the person that Fred Durst was 20 years ago. That's exactly who most of you wanted to be that make fun of him 20 years ago. You know what I mean? And I follow him on Instagram and he seems like a funny guy. Like, I think I would like Fred Durst. Throw him a like on Instagram. Most of his pictures are of station wagons, which they're cool pictures. There are these very old pictures of, like, vintage station wagons that look cool. But his Instagram stories are funny. He seems like, and I'm not just saying, like, ironically, like, he seems like, and I'm not saying, like, laugh out loud funny either. He just seems like an okay guy. Like, 
I don't know. Whenever I meet somebody new and we're like start talking and like they're like, oh yeah, man, I used to love new metal in the nineties. I relate to them really heavily, and like we both get in this big conversation about it. So like, this was like the king of new metal. You don't think he would be cool to hang out with and like shoot the shit and get drunk with and like just have? I think he would be fun, like genuinely, like not making fun of him, like getting to know the guy and hanging out. I think he would be cool. I really do. That's my thoughts on Fred Durst. He's He's got a past he can't, like, escape. And I feel like he's done a really good job of not blowing up and losing his cool about it. Imagine if that were you. Like, you were the constant butt of jokes. Just constantly. And he hasn't, like, mentioned it or, like, blown up about it or lost it on y'all. That alone is fucking respectable. I would have, like, killed... I would probably, no bullshit, knowing me and how my brain works, I probably would have killed myself by now. I really probably would have, like, based solely on the amount of shit he gets for stuff. I don't know. That's just... Those are my thoughts on Fred Durst, I guess. He's, he's, he, <laughs> I'll say it again, he seems funny, judging by his Instagram. That's just how I feel. And I'm going to see his movie. I'll probably go see it in theaters. I'm a theater guy. I'm sure it'll get released here since it's being filmed here. Every no-talent dipshit half-ass actor here, too, is uh, posting pictures of them from the set and stuff like... I don't know. I don't know. I'll leave it there. Now, uh... As I mentioned earlier, I've been, you know, a little depressed and kind of going through some stuff lately and been stressed out and, you know, nothing serious, like I said, but I've had a lot of people reach out to me and ask, you know, if I'm doing okay, they've been kind of worried about me and they noticed the podcast was on hiatus and I was, you know, acting a little different, you know, clearly stressed out and, uh, just thank you everybody for asking that has asked and, uh, I'm just going to let you guys know that everybody everybody's asked me that I just need to let you guys know one thing. I'm alright Nobody but about me Why you got to give me a fight Can't you just let it be I'm back baby <laughs> I've been just taking a ton of uh, Prozac, Zoloft, Ecstasy, Acid Smoking a ton of weed every day. Uh, horse tranquilizers. Uh, been plugging NyQuil before I go to work, getting me through the day. So, as long as I'm doing that, I'm good, baby. <laughs> Everything is coming up roses. But yeah. No, I have been, on a serious note, just a little, a little stressed. I know I went into it a little bit, but... uh been getting anxiety a lot lately and uh i gotta remind myself when i get anxiety where i was two years ago you know not even that long ago um a lot of you don't know this about me but i used to have a problem with prescription opiates uh namely 30 milligram oxycodone um 
and it was rough. It's uh, it is definitely a gateway to heroin. That's where most people that get addicted to heroin start because it's very it's a very expensive pill. It was about twenty five dollars a pill when I was buying them, and I was taking about four or five a day. Um, and it's just it was very rough. Uh, once I got hooked on those, I was hooked on them on and off for a while, you know. Um, Jesus Christ, could this fucking dump truck just go? Just ignore that in the background. This goddamn mic picks up everything. I'm trying to have a sincere fucking moment in the goddamn loud. This is what I have to wake up to every fucking Tuesday. I don't even know where this guy is. Anyway, fuck. This is unbelievable. I hate garbage men. If you're a garbage man, your job title fits who you are perfectly. Fuck you, I hope all of you die. I hate you if you are a fucking garbage man. I've never lived in a city or anywhere where you guys weren't incredibly fucking loud and obnoxious. Go fuck yourselves. Die. I hate you. I fucking hate you if you're a garbage man. I hope you can hear me. Fuck you if you're a garbage man. That guy heard me, I think. They're dumping my garbage now. Give me a second, and I'll get in the sincere moment that I was having. I'm not editing this, either. There's no fucking way I'm spending the time to edit this. Sorry, it's not happening. All right, the garbage men are gone. Hopefully, they get hit by a fucking car. Um, but, yeah. Two, it's been a problem, basically. 30 milligram oxycodone was my drug of choice. Um... Starting out, it's really fun. They make you feel great. Um, then you realize you're hooked and you're really fucked. And when you're hooked, it's not just a matter of chasing a high anymore. It's like, and I know a lot of you know this. I'm not telling you anything, but I'm telling this for people that don't know and that stigmatize addiction. And uh, at like when somebody is addicted to something, automatically you jump to, well, they're a piece of shit. It's their own fault. Uh, all these bad decisions and 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 things they do to hurt people are uh, 100% their fault. Fuck them. It's like, no, 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 no. That shit is so... Pa- the, the addiction is so powerful, it turns you into a different person. Um, completely. Um, when I was... My experience was, this is pretty much a day, daily thing for me. Um, no, this was 100% every day. Wake up. Um... When I uh, when I don't have when I didn't have thirty milligram oxycodone, uh, I would just be in tremendous pain. You know, like just restless legs. Um, my body temperature drastically like changing from hot to cold, hot to cold, hot to cold, hot to cold. Um, I remember having withdrawals so bad one time. It was summertime here, and which in Alabama it gets very hot. It was like ninety degree heat, humid. And I went outside to sit with a blanket on to warm up. That's how fucking bad my withdrawals were. So, like, imagine that every day you're waking up and, like, you ha- you can't do anything until you get your, uh, till I could, till me personally, till I could get my 30 milligram oxycodone. So I'd spend all day looking for that. Most of the time, without luck, because those are very hard to come by now. I had a drug dealer, the worst drug dealer ever. The dude never answered the phone. Um, when he wanted to meet up with me, it was always some weird fucking James Bond type mission I had to fucking do. Um, 
I remember this fucking guy one time, man. I used to always meet... Okay, this guy sells very harmful and, like, very addictive fucking pills. And it's like, he doesn't realize the weight. And I really think the guy was so stupid that he doesn't didn't understand the damage and uh, harm he was he was causing by doing this. I sincerely believe that. I don't think... And this is going to sound crazy. I don't think he's a bad guy. I just think he's very naive about the harm he is putting on people with this. Um, and I would use, I used to meet him after church a lot. And one time I, was, I, I said something like, along the lines of like, fuck, I, you know, I'm $5 short or something like that. He was like, hey, man, don't cuss, don't cuss. I'm like, you're going to tell me that your moral compass is like, don't cuss. You just left church, and you're going to sell me this thing that's destroying my fucking life and my family's and my friend's life. That's what you're going to tell me. You're worried about me not cussing? So that's why I think he's just too stupid to realize, like, the weight of the situation, you know? But it's very... I'm very happy that I have kicked that habit, and I, I don't. I know I'm goof around in here a lot, and uh, I just feel like I need to open up about that because not a lot of people know that about me. And uh, I know I'm not the easiest person to be friends with, or know, or um, get along with, and I really, I, I, I'm aware of that, and I know that. But um, I, I'm very different than I was two years ago, for the better. Like, and I know. <laughs> You, you couldn't imagine how fucking bad I was two years ago. But, like, I sincerely, like, I, I, I'm so happy that I don't have to wake up and be that person anymore. Um, The pain, the, the withdrawal is something I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Honest to God. And I don't like a lot of people, but I would never put that on somebody. It's, it's, it, you can't even... I I tried a minute ago to put into words the the amount of pain you're in and how fucking it's just it's hard to put into words though because like not on top of physical pain and discomfort you had this mental anguish too that you can't because a lot of it's in your head too uh, I believe but you can't sh- it, it's such it has such a tight hold on your brain that you can just feel it in your fucking bones and it's just God it is miserable it's enough. To where I was at a point where I was like, if I'm doing this when I'm 30 still, if I'm waking up like this every day and still blowing my money on this and like day to day just like getting by like this, I'm going to kill myself. Like I had a plan that when I turned 30, if I hadn't kicked this shit by then, I would uh I was going to kill myself probably. Um I was seriously entertaining the idea. Um that shouldn't raise any alarm, uh it just should give you an idea of how bad it is. It's that bad to where you're like, being dead is better. Like I've never been dead, but there's no fucking way it's not better. Being dead is better than fucking waking up like that every day. And I don't know. Like I really, I hope anybody listening that's kind of doesn't understand how serious this problem is takes into consideration what an addict goes through every day and that they don't want to be like that. 
Nobody wants to wake up and be a junkie. Nobody wants to wake up and disappoint their friends and family every day. They don't want to steal from their friends and family. They don't want to be that. But the shit is... That's why it's a problem, is the shit is so powerful that it just grabs you and just fucking... It makes you do what you have to do to get that. It really does. Um, I hate to get serious like that, but it needed to be said. Um, yeah, and I'm... I don't know. I, I know... I hate listening to sober people too, but... Unless you've fucking been there, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't. Um... And I know people like to crack jokes about it and how stupid and lame it is, but you don't you don't know what it's like if you're saying shit like that. If you can't seriously listen to somebody like that, if you if you can't listen to somebody that's been an addict and listen to what they have to say and be like, yeah, I can sympathize with that, then you you uh, I don't know. I really hope you change your mind. But it's it's very serious, and it's not just opiates. It's not. I mean, I've seen people that sit and criticize opiate addiction and talk about how it's a problem and people need to get their life together that are on uh, opiates and sit there and eat a handful of fucking Xanax bars. And let me tell you something. I've never been addicted to Xanax, but... I feel for people that are just as much as I do uh, people that are addicted to opiates. Maybe not as much because it's not the same fucking thing at all um, as far as I know. But being around people on Xanax, I can't do it. I cannot fucking do it. It's unbearable. I've stopped being friends with people over it that can't just can't stop doing it. It turns you into a fucking mumbling idiot. But if you're eating handfuls of Xanax every day and barely remember your fucking day, you should maybe get your shit together instead of criticizing people addicted to opiates. Make no mistake about it, too. Like, when I took opiate, like, when I was taking 30 milligram Roxy every day, you wouldn't have been able to tell that I was high. Like, I would get my work done at work. Like, it wasn't like I was just nodding the fuck out and stuff all the time. That shit made me just, like, want to do shit. Had a very weird effect on me. That's pretty much all. Well, I, I will say this, too. There's a show on HBO that I begrudgingly watch, and I, I will preface it by saying there are talented people that write for this show that I see in the credits. Very funny and talented people involved in it. But I don't... It's one of those shows I watch... I'm caught up on it. It's in season two. I'm caught up on it. I've seen every episode. And I watch it and hate it most of the time. Sometimes there's good stuff. But I don't... I just... I don't know. Like, Pete Holmes bothers me. The comedian Pete Holmes bothers me. Um, But I watch his show begrudgingly... And there was an episode I really did like the other day. Um, it's a show called Crashing on HBO, starring Pete Holmes, and it's uh, 
another show about a stand-up comic, and I, I don't know. Maybe it's just not for me because I do stand up and I know that world, and um, I don't find it interesting. And I, I find it hard to believe anybody else would. Uh, it doesn't seem interesting to me. Um, I live it a little bit, you know, and uh, so it's just I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. But he did an episode I did really like, um, and I will give him that. And I don't know Pete Holmes. Um, I don't know him personally. Um, he's just not for me. Um, he maybe he's a good guy. I don't know. He's just not for me. He's made jokes that I've heard, too, on the show that were funny. Um, so maybe I'm being a little hard on the guy. I don't know. I don't know him. He does seem to get a lot of shit from people I respect more than him. So I don't know. But anyway, I'm sidetracking again. This is classic classic me. Um, He had an episode about Artie Lang, who is, if you don't know, he used to... He's a stand-up comic, first and foremost. Um, he was on. He was on the first season of Mad TV. Um, he was in Dirty Work with Norm Macdonald, one of my favorite comedies of all time. Um, and Norm Macdonald also one of my favorite comedians of all time. Um, already went, and then he went on and he got launched into superstardom as a. He was a part of the Howard Stern show, and he was on the Howard Stern show all the time and it launched him into this just fucking stratosphere of fame and, you know and he just had all this money coming in built a huge fan base um his comedy's for sure not for me he has been known to say some pretty fucked up shit that i don't agree with um i do sympathize for the guy though um he struggled with heroin addiction very badly like uh around for a while, I don't know, but he got clean around like 2010. He's like a New York Times best-selling author writing about it. Now, I'll listen to him tell stories all fucking day. I'm not a fan of his stand-up, but he I highly recommend his episode of What the Fuck with Mark Maron. It's, it had some great stories. But Artie Lang is a heroin addict. And he was doing good. You know, he seemingly, you know, he was he's at an age where he's like probably nearly he's in his 50s and he, uh, you know, was doing good. He was working, and he was clean, and he had, had written this book about being clean. So it seemed like at his age and everything, it's like, yeah, he's not touching heroin again. But uh, what did I know? And I, I didn't know this till I watched the episode, but he's back on heroin again. And it's uh, very noticeable, too. I noticed when I first started the season, he looked, like, very skinny, and, like, his face was caving in. His nose looked weird, which it turns out... um. Artie Lang apparently had scored some heroin and some lady had, no, it was some Coke. I'm sorry. Coke or something. She was like breaking it up with a salt shaker and the glass broke in it. He snorted it, got glass, he snorted glass when he did it and it fucked his nose up apparently. So his nose is forever different now and he looks like shit. He's uh, lost a ton of weight very clearly on heroin again, and they made an episode about it, and I found it very touching, and it reminded me of when I was an addict and all that bullshit. Uh, and I I hate to say this, but like at Artie Lang's age and how much he's fucked up, and uh, um, I don't know Artie Lang. I sincerely hope that heroin's not the death of him, though. Um, that would be a shame. Because uh, he clearly has people that care about him, you know. But um, 
as they said in the show, even like, uh, he just seems hopeless and just like he knows this is going to kill him soon and it's coming and he's just kind of ready to go. And, uh, it's very sad and I hope that doesn't happen, but that's part of life. You know, that, that, that's part of life apparently. And, uh, we have to accept that it seems like, and, uh, I don't know, like it really, it takes a lot for a show like that to get me. And, uh, it did. I like, I like, uh, I like shit like that. It's relatable. And I just want, I want to say like, I sympathize with him because he says this thing where he's like, uh, you know, I'm an addict, uh, and I'm never going to fucking change. And he's like saying he's like at this certain age now where it doesn't matter anymore that he just wants to be left alone. And he's like aware he's a piece of shit, but that's just how he is. And, uh, it's very, it sucks, but it's not one of those things you can just quit like that. You, uh, it's very hard. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I, I'm sorry for the serious episode. This whole thing is, pr- I, I was even skeptical about recording this episode even. Cause I was going to, after this one, for sure, I'm holding off till I get moved into the spot and get the studio set up, which won't be long. Don't worry. It'll probably just be like maybe a week, two weeks tops. Um, but I do need a break, uh, to set it up and get it. You know, it, it'll be better episodes when I do. I promise you that. So, yeah, just bear with me. This is this is probably the worst episode I've done easily. So, yeah, just bear with me on that. And we'll get into some funny stuff here in a second. I'm going to take a break. Uh, so, yeah, be back in just a second. This plane is definitely crashing! Welcome back to Table for One, dumb boy. Yeah, this episode's a bummer. I'm really sorry about that. Um, <laughs> very appropriate fucking song for my... Well, I, I don't know. Maybe not. It's a song called Shit Luck by Modest Mouse. So I don't know. I don't feel like I've had shit luck lately, so to speak. But uh, I've just been stressed out and and been a little depressed, like I've mentioned a hundred fucking times on this episode. One thing that does get me out of a slump, though, is uh, I listen to just ignorant-ass rap and hip-hop. I love it. Like 3-6 Mafia, Project Pat, Young Jeezy, um, Trick Daddy is a big one. Underrated as fuck, Trick Daddy, man. Just shit like that, and uh, Young Jeezy's one of my fucking favorites, and I'll explain why, and I'm going to give you a playthrough of why, too, because it, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense when I say it, maybe, at first. The reason I like Young Jeezy, though, is because he's his own hype man in his songs. Now, I don't have anybody here to confirm that they're with me on this or not, so I'm just going to assume you're not with me on this, but... When I say he's his own hot man, is uh, a lot of hip hop acts when they perform live, especially 
they'll be up there spitting their shit, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they have a dude in the back kind of like, yeah, yeah, what up, what up, what? You know, that's the hype man. Young Jeezy doesn't have that on his songs. He does it himself. And I fuck, it, it, it may not be funny to anybody else, but to me, it is the funniest shit ever. And I love him for it. And I'm going to play a song by him and give you kind of a playthrough of what I mean to demonstrate. Like, he'll say something like, uh, he'll, 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 he'll spit a line, and then you just hear in the background, he's like, chew, and then just, ha ha, and I love it. It's so funny to me. And uh, this album, too, like, wow, it, like, really reminds me of being young. <laughs> this album was huge when I was in high school. Uh, it's called Thug Motivation 101. And this song's called Standing Ovation, and I'm going to give you a playthrough of it. Uh, what I mean, you'll see what I mean. He's his own fucking hype, man. I love it. All right, this is it right here. And this song, make no mistake about it, it's a fucking banger. So, yeah, we're feeling it right now. We're really feeling it. Trust me, this this one, he's his hot man. There he goes right there. He's his own hot man the most on this one. I'll point out when he's doing it. So let's listen and uh, I'll point out when he's his own hot man, basically. Hey, hey, hey. I told him, straight drop this and zip lock that. Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap. Yeah. I remember. You hear that? <laughs> That's him layering his vocals over himself rapping, and I love it. Yeah. Let's see if we can spot another one. That's right. That's another one. Let's see if we can count how many. Now, we definitely done more than two that I've pointed out. He does it a lot. This bit's going nowhere too, so don't worry. It'll be over in a minute. We're gonna do one more uh, hype man, and we'll we'll switch it to something else. I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Hey, there he is. Your favorite trapper's favorite trapper. Five. Absolute truth. Yeah, no joke. Who me? I merged from the crack Damn. See, he knows that one. I love that one he does. Like, damn, did I just say that? He seriously, like, says something cool, and, like, he thinks it's so good, he's, like, layers his voice over it and goes, damn, as if somebody else were there to say it. And we're like, damn, did he just say that? No, it's me saying, damn, did I just say that? Mind fucking, my mind is fucking blown. This is the worst episode I have done. I can't believe I'm putting this out. It's unbelievable that I would put this out. I'm insane for it. That's the end of that bit, though. Sorry. Very sorry. It just, it had to be said, though. Because it's great. Young Jeezy is great. He's one, he's one of my favorites. What can I say? Love the guy to death.
yeah, baby. The Brian Jonestown Massacre. Run, 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 walk, and I'll still catch you is the name of the song. Or, sorry, run, 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 I'll walk and still catch you is the name of the song. Um, And I don't know. I guess the Brian Jonestown Massacre, There, it's really just Anton Newcomb who is the frontman for them. And if you've never seen the uh, documentary Dig about the Brian Jonestown Massacre and the very shitty Dandy Warhols, you should check it out. Um, it's very good. Um, it's what kind of got me like super into them. It's a, they're, they're very unique, but like the frontman for the band is kind of his own worst enemy and has fucked himself out of superstardom basically. Cause he's insanely an insanely talented musician, but he struggles with addiction as well. Um, which I didn't even mean to tie into this actually. That's kind of weird. I would pick a Brian Jonestown massacre song. But uh, yes, he's he's struggled with. I don't know about now, but he has struggled with addiction very badly. And um, yeah, sorry for this whole episode being a bummer, but that's okay. The I'll never do that again. I promise you that. Um, I think that's about gonna wrap it up for this episode today. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you don't unsubscribe because of this. But uh, really, what this episode was was uh, me, I needed to put out something and got, let you guys kind of know the status of what's going on, That everybody that still listens. Um, I will be back and regularly putting out episodes when I get moved into my new place and get my studio set up, and that'll be very soon. So don't worry about it. This show ain't going anywhere, I promise you that. It's all I have. It's the only thing I have, guys. So please, please stick around and, like, just... Just don't go anywhere. I need you. <laughs> so, yeah, that's been Table for One Dumb Boy this week. Um, yeah, stick around. I like you guys. I think we're going to work out just fine. I know I've played a lot of music on this episode, but I'm going to play you guys out. Because um, that was the original plan, too, is playing a lot of music that I like. Uh, on top of being a fucking goof. Um, what I'm about to play is uh, from a very underrated band um, fronted by a man named Dexter Romweber. The band is the Flat Duo Jets. Now, I found out about this band from the documentary It Might Get Loud, which is a documentary about Jack White, uh, Jimmy Page, and for some reason, uh, The Edge from U2, who is a terrible guitarist and is shown up by Jimmy Page and uh, Jack White the entire movie because they're both insanely talented. Um, I found out about these guys because on the Jack White segment, he cites them as a huge influence on him. And you can definitely see it if you ever see uh, videos of Dexter Romweber and the Flat Duo Jets playing live. Um, it's one of those sad stories, though, of where uh, he just... It never took off for Dexter Romweber. There's, I don't know what the documentary is called, but if you look up on YouTube, Dexter Romweber documentary, you can check it out, and it gives you a glimpse of uh, how show business will just chew you up and spit you out, and one minute you're hot, and then nobody has shit for you the next minute. And uh, it sucks, because Dexter Romweber is insanely talented, and uh, you'll find out from this song... It's from the Flat Duo Jets. It's called My Love is True from the album Safari, which if you're into like rockabilly and stuff like that, you'll really like. So yeah, that's been it for this week. Enjoy this song. I love it. Tonight, my dear, 
I still love 